shows with still limited capacity, but better than before. So this morning, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, chapter 10, verse 1, moreover, my, uh, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they, uh, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And uh, in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And may the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of his word. What I'm going to be speaking about today, I'm going to ask a question, and you will think about that question. The question is, are you satisfied with what God has given you? Are you satisfied with what God has given you? We all grow, and as we do, we go through different stages. Each stage has its problems, has its challenges, challenges and its dangers. This is true of both physical and spiritual growth. When we look at young people, many times we see young people are inexperienced, but they are zealous. Older people are experienced, but more laid back, even sometimes cold. As maturing Christians, we run the danger of getting used to our blessings, taking for granted what we have, even getting tired of it, even bored. Now, what would you do if the stars came out only once a year instead of every night. 
as the text that we just read shows us, Israel was no different from us. They got used to their blessings, and God had to deal harshly with them because they became ungrateful and dissatisfied. And this is true of the church today. It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. We know the judgment begins with the house of God. Believers are the ones that are going to be judged first. Because we, we have more than the unbelievers have. We have the knowledge. And to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. If that is the situation, how much worse it's going to be for the unbeliever. God fed his people with manna each day since crossing the Red Sea and going through the wilderness. He provided for their hunger. When you read Exodus chapter 16, you see the story there, that God provided manna for them from heaven. But they grew tired of it. Imagine, they ate angels' food, it says, and they got tired of it. Their attitude showed it. They were witnesses to the divine miracle of God's daily provision, but were no longer excited about it. But now, they say in the, in the book of Numbers, we're going to look in a few minutes, but now our whole being is dried up, they said. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Numbers 11.6. There's nothing more to eat, just this manna. I'm tired of it. I remember growing up, we would sit at the table to eat, and my mother was there with my sister and I. And sometimes we complained about something. And I always remember, I'll never forget the words from my mom. You should have been in Greece in 1943 when we were under Hitler's boot and we had nothing to eat but potato peels, fried potato peels, boiled eggplant, and herbs. That's all they had for four years. And now today people complain because they have to eat steak every day. What? Lobster again? Huh? Do I have, uh, you know, I don't have, I don't have anything to wear. And they open the closet and there's no room for any more clothes in there. You open the closet and it explodes in your face, but you have nothing to wear. What? Go to church, listen to Pastor Alex again? We get tired of the benefits. That's why I believe many times comes a point when prosperity and abundance becomes a curse. And when people start complaining, God starts taking away those things in order to teach them how to appreciate what they have. Now this, in the same manner, God has provided all you and I need and more and loads us with blessings every day. Now, how are you doing today? Have you grown tired of uh, what you have? 
How is your attitude towards God? When was it the last time you gave him thanks for, for your blessings, for your family, for your salvation above all things, for your church? Give him thanks for this country. You know, the country is what we make it. See? I always say that people that were born in this country, 90% of them need to leave this country and go live somewhere else for about a couple of years. Not as tourists, but to live under some regime. And I bet you they'll come back kissing the ground. Right? Instead of protesting out there and smashing windows and hurting people, killing their own people. This is ridiculous. This is a, a society that is totally dissatisfied. They don't know what else to do. Instead of being thankful. And you know why all this happening? This is happening only for one reason. It's happening because people turn their backs on God. And we as Christians need to be the salt of the earth now more than ever. And be different. Show people the difference and not imitate what they do. Because if you imitate what they do, then you have lost your flavor. And when the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing, the Lord said. Amen? We need to be, make a difference. And, but above all, but you know, that starts in the heart. Your heart needs to be different. Your attitude needs to be different. You need to be a great, have a grateful heart. Lord, thank you for all your blessings. Are you appreciative? Of his daily blessings and if you are do you show it how do you show it the first thing we see here in the book of numbers if you please open to it the book of numbers chapter 11 we see Israel's sin and God's judgment in the book of numbers chapter 11 we are told now when the people complained it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. Now, does God like complaining? Now, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here because nobody in this church ever complains. Right? And the Lord heard it. Remember, he hears everything. Okay? And his anger was aroused. God does not like complaining. He hates it, as a matter of fact. My mother always used to say, bless her memory, she used to say to us, where there is murmuring, there is no blessing. So stop complaining. Amen? You know why some people never progress? Because they're always murmuring. They're always complaining. Instead of seeing, uh, watching the glass, glass being half full, they see it half empty. See? So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some, on, some in the outskirts of the camp. Judgment fell. Fire came down from heaven and consumed those that were in the outskirts of the camp. Usually those that are further, furthest away from the center are the ones that get hit first. Stay close to the Lord. Don't, not, don't walk in the outskirts. And here we say, it says, Then the people cried out to Moses. Interesting, right? When judgment falls, what happens? 
they start crying out immediately for somebody to, to solve the problem. They cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had, had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. Now there were some people there in the crowd that were not of Israel, and they influenced in a negative way. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? See, they were tired of the manna. Now they wanted meat. Okay? So we see the first thing is the sin of complaint in verse 1. Complaining is evidence we have gotten used to our blessings. And that was true then, and it is true today. People that are tired of, blessing, of God's blessings, they start complaining. Okay? It is manifested by grumbling, murmuring, and criticizing. It displeases God and brings judgment on those who do it. God is pleased when we're thankful, angry with ungratefulness. That's why it says, in everything give what? Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we need to give God thanks to God for everything or in everything. The Apostle Paul in jail, in prison in Rome, he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content, to be satisfied. In Philippians 4.11, the Apostle Paul says, let us be thankful as long as we have food and raiment. Let us be thankful for we have brought nothing into this world and we shall carry nothing out of it. That's why Job also said, Naked I came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return therein. In other words, I came into this world with nothing, and I'm going to leave with nothing. Did you ever see a funeral procession, a hearse, followed by a U-Haul? That's what the pharaohs used to believe. And that's why you see those huge pyramids in Egypt. You know what those pyramids are? They're nothing but tombs. They're graves where they used to bury the pharaoh in there. And they made a competition which one was going to have the biggest pyramid. Who cares after you're dead? And they would store all the treasures of the kingdom in there because they believed that they would rise up after everything was over and, and start enjoying in the afterlife, all the food and the riches and all that. And who enjoyed all that? The grave thieves. See? And many times people don't realize and they keep on storing up things and no matter how much you have, you know what? When you have too much, you always want more. Some people say, well, if I only have a million dollars. Problem is, after you have a million, you want two. And after you have two, you want four. See? Israel complained about their circumstances in God's hearing. And many times we do the same. We forget that God is hearing and seeing everything we do. Instead of thanking God for what we have, we complain about, about it and wish we had something else. If God gave us what we asked for, though, you know what would happen? We would eventually complain about that, too. He who gets used to his blessings cannot be satisfied. So we see the sin of complaining. Secondly, we see the judgment. God sent down fire. What is the solution? 
the solution is prayer. When you have a need, you have a problem, come to God in prayer. And as soon as Moses prayed, the, the burning stopped. If we complained less and prayed more, we would be a happier people, don't you think? I found out that people who complain all the time, that tells me they never pray. Because people who pray often never complain. They're always grateful. Okay? And then we have the sin of craving. The sin of craving. It says we want meat. Who would give us meat to eat? We remember, look at verse 5 of uh, Numbers 11 in your Bibles. Who, uh, we, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Really? The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. They forgot to put the lashes. They used to receive every day from the taskmaster. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. After so many years of slavery, they did not learn their lesson. And then they did not learn the lesson in the wilderness the first time, so they complained again. The problem? The rabble, the mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with them, who incited the Israelites, and they became dissatisfied and complained again. They give another evidence of getting used to their blessings. They compare what they have now with what they had or what with others have. The world is better than this Christian life. Oh boy, what a drag to be a Christian. If you have that attitude, maybe you're not a Christian. Because the, 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 the life, the true life, or the life of the true Christian is a life of joy in spite of the circumstances. Israel remembered the food they were missing and they craved for it, but they forgot their suffering and their slavery. And we are the same way. We sometimes miss something in the past and we forget the problems that we had and the fact that we were lost in sin. And then it says, we ate freely. They ate freely? What slave eats freely? They paid very dear, very dearly for that whatever they ate. Okay? They forgot the lashes. They forgot the suffering. They forgot the oppression. They forgot what God had delivered them from. And we many times do the same thing. We uh, get used to the Christian life and forget our bondage to sin and slavery in the world. You know, every pastor hears his share of criticism from church members. There is nothing wrong with honest, sincere criticism, constructive criticism. We can profit from it. But grumblings of disgruntled, uh, disgruntled believers who get accustomed to their blessings is not worth listening to. People who do that need to pray about attending another church for a time just to see if their criticisms are valid. Disgruntled people will be disgruntled no matter where they go. The problem is in the heart, not in the surroundings. If you have problems in New York and you take a plane and go to San Francisco, 
When you arrive in San Francisco, guess what? You're going to face there the same problems you left behind over here. Because you took the problems with you. Because who is the problem? We are the problem. Amen? So don't complain. Thank God for everything. Solve the problem from the inside out. And this also happens in families. I'm sure you know that. Right? Who has children that don't complain, usually in early adolescence? We call it in Spanish, la edad del pavo, the turkey's age. Yeah? Right? Yeah. Okay? And what is the key word for that age, la edad del pavo? What's the key word? Hmm? I am tired. Sounds familiar? Yeah. I asked one of my uh, grandnieces the other day, how are you behaving? I'm okay. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm all right. Everything going okay? Yeah, everything's going okay. So the father was there and I said, how's she doing? Mm. And that's the reason I asked her, because I knew there was something that was not right. She's at that age right now. See? She wants this and she wants that. The father said, you want this, you're going to do it the way I'm telling you, in moderation. You do too much of this, I'm going to take it away altogether. And, of course, she gets sad and starts, oh, I'm sad, I'm crying. Why are you sad? See, they tell you their side of the story. I was a principal for many years, and I found out that uh, teenagers are great observers, but horrible interpreters. Because they interpret everything according to their advantage. And when you confront them about something in less than five minutes, it's your fault. They broke the window, but it's your fault. Sounds like Adam and Eve, doesn't it? The Lord says, Adam, what did you do? The woman that you gave me. See, it was God's fault. What did you do? She asked Eve. It was a serpent. See? And that's our nature. We blame, it's easier to, to blame somebody else. Well, these, these uh, uh, adolescent, uh, adolescents, many times, they are tired. They are tired of the old house, the old car, the same food, the same school, the same clothes, the same church, the same parents. Right? Their friends have it better than they have. But my friend has this. And my friend has that. Parents don't give up, but patiently ride out the storm waiting for the day of maturity. And don't give in. Don't give in. Don't surrender to the enemy. Amen? Stick to your guns. Now, churches, too, have their share of complainers with itchy ears running here or there to hear something, some new thing. Okay? And then they come back to church to compare the pastor with another preacher they heard or a ministry they saw which is better than their church. Instead of being thankful for, uh, for, to God for what they have, they complain about what they don't have. Now, if anyone thinks we can do something better in this church, don't complain. Just roll up your sleeves 
get your hands dirty, and contribute to the improvement. Amen? So what happens here? In verse nine through nine, uh, 7 through 9 of uh, Numbers 11, we see the blessing rejected. Look at verse uh, 7 here. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of delium. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans and made cakes of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. God is grieved when we do not appreciate what he gives us and want something else. It is like uh, spitting back in God's face when we complain, criticize, and compare. This has terrible consequences for them and for others as well. Nobody sins by themselves. When we sin, somebody else is affected as well. Remember that, okay? Grumbling is contagious. So I suggest you get inoculated against it, never mind coronavirus. Get inoculated against the virus of complaining, murmuring, dissatisfaction, criticism, grumbling. That's what we need to get inoculated against. Coronavirus one day will disappear, but grumbling and complaining, all that, that's always in our nature. Now, we see this has consequences. What they did, it had consequences. Moses got discouraged and despaired. Look at verse 10 of Numbers 11. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, Everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. You know what? Remember this. God's servants are human, just like anyone else. Yes, we are servants of God, but we are not superhuman. We're, like, we're just like you. Okay? Some people think that God's servants are superhuman, or that they are supposed to put up with anything they throw at them. I learned a long time ago that that is wrong. Okay? And I, when I, was, I used to take it, I've learned to stand up. I am God's servant, but nobody's slave. Amen? I'll be your servant too. I'll serve you in any way I can, but I am not your slave. I'm a free man, thanks to Jesus. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Okay? And if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So, and it also says in 1 Corinthians 7, do not become servants of men. Slaves of men, that means. Okay? So we see here that Moses, boy, could they have had a better leader than Moses? He is the greatest leader in the Old Testament. He's even called the friend of God. What a man of God he was. And what did they do? They discouraged him. He was displeased. Okay? Read the Bible, and you'll find out what God says. 
about this issue. First of all, we see that he became troubled. He was displeased. All the complaining and grumbling affected him negatively. But he turns to the Lord and speaks with him. Look at verse 11. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have, have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people and me? Oh my goodness. What is he doing? He became desperate. He questions his ministry and thus God's doings. And then look at verse 13. It says, Oh, then he says in verse 12, Did I conceive all these people? That I, did I beget them? That you should uh, say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian car uh, carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? So then now in verse 13, he became discouraged. Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. He became discouraged. He became discouraged. So not only was he troubled or displeased, but he was also desperate. He was also discouraged. And then he became despondent. Despondent. Look at verse 15. If you treat me like this, he tells God, listen to this. He's telling God this. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. Sounds like Elijah, doesn't he? I want to die. This is the way out of it. I call this Christian suicide. Kill me. I can't bear it anymore. If I have found favor in your sight, then do not let me see my wretchedness. Oof. Poor man. Poor man. So then what happens? God encourages his servant. Look at verse, 20, uh, verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand be there with you. The Lord gives Moses a, uh, uh, the solution to the problem. He multiplies faithful servants for the work. Verse 17, Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the Spirit that is upon you, that is the Holy Spirit, and will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. Now, did God remove the problem? No, but he gave a solution for the problem. See? This is an, uh, in answer to Moses' request. He multiplies faithful servants for the work. When in trouble, we must turn to the Lord in prayer, because he's the source of our solution, not other men. We look for faithful men. We bring them before the Lord and wait for him to speak. And then in verse 18, he pronounces judgment for the people's sin. Look at verse 18 through 20. Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For he was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. And I like this following verse. I laughed the other day as I was reading it. See, the Bible has a sense of humor, doesn't it? Sometimes we read and look at it says, You shall eat. You know, they wanted meat. Here it comes. 
you shall eat not one day nor two days nor five days nor ten days nor twenty days but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying why did he ever we why did we ever come out of Egypt what does the Lord say you want the meat here it comes I'm gonna give you meat for a whole month and you're gonna be eating nothing but meat until it comes out of your noses when you crave for something enough God is going to give it to you and also the consequences of it. I wonder what their cholesterol was like at the end of the month after all that meat. Hmm? He deals with man's abuse. When we loathe what God gives us, we loathe God and his judgment is not far behind. When God's judgment falls, some will die with the food in their mouths. But others will be more faithful in their dissatisfaction. Israel loved the world more than God. Why did you take us out of Egypt? And the Bible tells us not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. See, we're not to love the world. We're not even to love our own lives unto death. Some people love their lives unto death. They're so afraid of everything. Where's your faith in God? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If there are any people that should be coming out of their holes these days, it's the Christians. Here you have unbelievers protesting out in the street, and they're not afraid, and Christians are cowering away in their homes. They might get coronavirus. Well, so what? The worst thing that can happen is that you die and go to heaven. See how everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? Amen? Thank God for those that are here this morning. You're the courageous ones. After today, I'm going to rename the church Chicken Bible Temple. So we see that he pronounces judgment for the people's sin. And then we see that he challenges his weary servant Moses. Look at verse 21. And Moses said, The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. This is not counting women and children, only the men. Okay? 600,000 men. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall, shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Has the, Lord, the Lord's arm be shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. See, Moses in his limited thinking, he cannot see beyond his nose, as it were, forgetting that God is able to do anything. Is anything too hard for him? He created the universe and suspended everything from nothing, and he's not going to be able to provide food for this group of people here, however large they are. Hey, how big is your faith? Or who is your faith in? In verse 24 it says, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. 
Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Moses is, Moses is weary. He doesn't think it possible for God to do what he said he would do. But God doesn't reject his servant. He challenges him and assures him uh, of his might. As we said before in Jeremiah, it says, Is anything too, God, too hard for me? How great God's challenges. Moses acts upon God's word. He brings the faithful elders. Okay? And faithful elders always stand together around God's servant. And God speaks in unity, not in division. And the blessing is passed on to the rest of the leadership. What is this? Victory. Victory in the midst of this defeat. So see finally here God's judgment on the faithless. Go to verse 31. Now a wind, a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea, and left them fluttering near the camp, about a day's journey on this side, and about a day's journey on that side, or all around the camp, and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. A cubit is about 18 inches, in other words, three feet of quail. Okay? And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers. And they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because they, there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. Mm, see, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let us not forget that. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish, we're told in the first psalm. God deals with the complainers. Our God is a consuming fire. Those who complain do not speak with God, and they do, what do they do? Contaminate others. Those who speak with God don't complain. They're thankful. The Lord chastened the complainers. He gave them what they wanted, but he brought death. It would have been better if they had liked the manna. That's why in the book of Psalms, again, we're told, He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls. You may be very fat physically and filled with blessings, physical blessings, and be starving spiritually. And that's what their case was. Constantly give thanks to God for all He gives and all He does. A thankful heart will be filled with the wonder of God and never fall into the danger of getting used to His blessings. Delight in God's grace and goodness. He is not obligated to bless us. He does it out of the goodness of His heart, by His grace. You know, pride leads to complaining. 
it leads to criticizing and it leads to a fall. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, it says in Psalm 37 verse 4. And that is the lesson for today, for us. Are you satisfied with what God has given you? Are you thankful today? I am thankful. I am thankful I'm here. I am thankful that the Lord has protected this church through this whole pandemic. Not one person, even a couple here that have been sick, were sick with the virus. The Lord healed them. And they're here today. And they're here today. And not one person, we did not lose one single soul in this church. Yeah, true, there were a couple of people who died, relatives of our church members, but most of them did not die from the virus. They died because of old age. Only a couple of, uh, one family lost one to the virus and another one from old age, and another one died from a virus uh, because also of old age. But other than that, our church was, is intact. And if that is not a miracle, then I don't know what is. So where is our gratitude this morning? Are we still afraid of the virus? I think we need to be cautious. I think we need to be wise. I think we need to comply with the rules that government imposes. But many times, even those rules are unfair. And, uh, but God watches over us. And here we are today at a new beginning, a new phase. We'll still continue to take precautions. Listen, Pastor Alex doesn't want any member of this church to be affected negatively. That's why our building is disinfected. We wear masks. We keep the so social distancing as much as possible. And I don't think we are in danger of contracting the virus because we come to a service for a few hours unless we do something, you know, we know our people. I know that all the people that come to church are not sick anymore. The Lord is in control. So let us be courageous. Let's encourage others to come. I know God has to work in some people's lives more than in others. I know some people are more, you know, are weaker than others, and that's fine. I understand that. And some people are, you know, cautious for different reasons. But you know what? Let us trust the Lord. Let us not lean onto our own understanding. Let us uh, revive after this, these four months, three months, over three months now that we have gone through this. Let us trust him. Amen? And let us pray. Because God works miracles through prayer.